Welcome to this episode of the Pharmaceutical Executive Podcast. My name is Miranda Schmalfis, and I am the group social media editor for Pharmaceutical Executive. Pharmaceutical Executive is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, I speak with Edward Tribell, Commercial Executive Director for MRN Technologies. Edward and I talk about the biggest digital trends in clinical research, how COVID impacted the use of digital within sponsors and CROs, where we are with DCT services right now, where we might be in the next five to 10 years, and a whole lot more. But first, a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Edward. Hey there, Andy Studnett, co-host of the Applied Clinical Trials podcast here. Check out brand new episodes of the ACT podcast every two weeks on Tuesdays at 10. And you can find past episodes plus much more by logging on at AppliedClinicalTrials.com. So Ed, thanks for joining me. Did you always see yourself in the pharmaceutical industry? And can you give me a brief career recap? I've had a lengthy career. I'm not as young as a lot of people may think, so I'll be 63 this year. But fundamentally, when I started my career, I did not have an idea that I would wind up in the clinical trials industry. So most of my background has been in technology and disruptive innovations in the adoption of technology. So initially, it was in satellite communications, and I was part of the team that commercialized analog video into full screen digital of what we see today. Primarily, the big driver at the time was sports, sporting events, football games, soccer games globally. And then I was part of a technology group that actually helped to convert analog mobile phones into complete digital devices that we have today. And I've been involved with a whole range of other industries that include semiconductors, and um, RFID technology, Internet of Things, software platforms. So I really didn't start off my career looking at clinical trials, but now with my background in disruptive innovation, I was actually invited by a private equity firm to take a software platform for Internet of Things and pivot their go-to-market strategy into clinical trials And that was about seven years ago. And that was really the foundation of my passion in terms of pushing for disruptive innovations and doing things dramatically differently using technology for clinical trials. And that is my role today at MRN. That's certainly an impressive career. And as I've always said, you're only as young as you feel. So (laughs) getting into the meat of why we're here. What are the biggest digital trends in clinical research right now? Yeah, so this is a really an exciting time, I believe, where we are looking at how do we really push the envelope in terms of digital technology adoption in clinical trials? You know, across the industry, you go to a lot of conferences and you kind of hear, well, you know, the clinical trials industry is anywhere from five or 10 years behind in terms of really being state of the art in adopting digital technology. And, you know, I was surprised when I came into this industry to learn that a lot of patient data is still collected on paper forms. So the biggest hopes, I would say, for the forefront of clinical trials 
Certainly advances that are being made in using artificial intelligence into various ecosystems in the clinical research and modeling for drug development is key. And then also the volume of data that's being collected today from patients who are in clinical trials and using AI to help analyze and manage that patient data in terms of dashboards and trigger events and status updates and really taking a look at what is going on with this data and trending is a huge opportunity. Certainly, there's been a lot of discussion about how do we integrate patient data in terms of what's in EHR or EMRs. So like with the company Epic, is a huge opportunity for us to combine patient health data in their everyday life and integrating that with what they're doing in clinical trials. I know Epic has, I think, about 300 million patients that have their patient history, their medical history in their database. Think about the opportunity of being able to use that as a source for patient recruitment. Also looking at what a patient may be doing during their clinical trial journey. Maybe they get sick, maybe they go to the doctor, they get a prescription, but they don't tell the principal investigator or the site that they are on a new prescription drug that may impact the results of the study. So I think the integration of EHR, EMR data is really an interesting opportunity. There's a lot of discussion about the integration of wearable devices in clinical studies. You know, a lot of us, we wear our Apple Watch every day. I wear an Aura ring and look at my sleep quality, the number of steps, activities. It gives me insight into why I may be tired, maybe the sleep quality. So there's a lot of interesting opportunities for use of wearable devices in studies. And lastly, one of the things I think is really important is there's a lot of really cool and really interesting medical devices that have been developed that could be used in the patient's home with a healthcare provider, similar to what MRN does, to actually send data directly to the site that is typically only collected at the site. So for example, we were asked how we might support auscultation in the home, which is listening to heart and lung sounds which typically requires a physician to be certified in that. But we actually developed a solution that uses a digital stethoscope, and we can go through the entire process of collecting heart and lung sounds and sending that directly to the site. There's a company called Clarius that has a really new and powerful handheld ultrasound device that could be used in terms of a home visit to send data directly to the site, there's a company who actually has a very small and portable blood analysis machine that can do a complete CBC panel in less than five minutes through a single finger prick versus doing a blood draw. So you can imagine in the future with a digital trend in decentralized clinical trials where a nurse could show up with a package of these very powerful medical devices and actually being able to do a lot of services and assessments and treatments directly in the home that are only done today at site. So there's a lot of exciting digital trends and opportunities that are happening, not just across clinical trials, but in healthcare in general. And all those elements could be integrated into clinical trials in the future. Thank you for that. I think it's really fair to say that 
COVID-19 certainly helped digital be adapted across the board. You know, some places have stayed cashless to this day. So how do you think the pandemic impacted the use of digital within sponsors and CROs? So certainly immediately upon the presence of COVID and the pandemic that happened and the shutting down of visits to hospitals and the impact to patient participation and continuance of their studies, the regulatory bodies recognized that this was a major challenge to the continuance of really important clinical studies that were happening in the industry. And they provided a process by where they relaxed some of the mandates in terms of how studies are accomplished and really opened up the door to the use of home health visits, the use of telemedicine more proactively, and other opportunities to collect patient data in terms of the continuance of the studies. You know, in some cases, of course, that depending on the therapeutic area, maybe in some cancer studies, you know, the patient still needed to go to a site or a hospital because of the seriousness of their illness. Maybe they were facing an end-of-life issue, but it really opened up the opportunity for the entire industry to stop and really own what could be done in clinical studies with the adoption of digital technology. And that was like kind of a major step because it forced them to do that. One of the interesting things that happened kind of post-COVID, we saw, I would say, I'm going to use the term the entire industry, but what we saw was a major interest now by sponsors and CROs. They sent out RFIs about how would they operationalize elements of DCT that were allowed during COVID. So there was a huge response in terms of addressing the RFIs and really evangelizing what could be done in clinical trials. And from there, a lot of the companies released mock studies so that they could really understand both the operational and cost elements of what happened during COVID and from there, they actually made awards in terms of companies who had digital technology that could really support DCT operations in clinical studies. And one of the things that I found very interesting is that some of the people that have been in industry for 20 or 30 years, all of a sudden their titles changed to include the word digital or innovation in terms of their job responsibility. And of course, I'm not saying that overnight they became experts in digital technology and what could be done in DCT, but really it gave them ownership to take a look at the industry and to really push internally what could be done using digital resources and tools as a result of what happened during COVID. So you had spoken a little bit before about the potential for trial recruitment with EHRs. How are we utilizing that technology right now? And where are we right now with DCT services? So there certainly is a lot of work that's being done in terms of, of the integration of EHR data in terms of what data site has access to on patient medical history. So that's a major uptick in terms of availability of that important data. The other issues in terms of DCT services Really, when we talk about this DCT services, the first step is really understanding 
when we say DCT, a lot of people just focused on, oh, DCT means we're going to add a mobile phone and we're going to do daily diaries. Or maybe it's just we're going to do electronic consent. So there certainly is an upswell in terms of the number of companies who are saying that they have adopted DCT. But the real investigative aspect that needs to be evaluated is what exactly are you doing in the entire portfolio of DCT services? And part of that includes even what MRN does in terms of sending nurses into patients' homes because we're decentralizing the ability to receive treatments and to accomplish assessments. So while the opportunity for DCT, certainly during the pandemic, opened the door, really forcing the door open post-COVID, you know, there's a reevaluation in terms of the cost benefit and the operational responsibility in terms of what is being done in the DCT environment. So there's a push right now in terms of using mobile devices in the patient's home, which actually happened pre-COVID, but I would say now that has been a lot adopted a lot more readily across the industry. Really, there's been an upswell in the use of home trial support services like sending nurses into the patient's home or into the community and supporting patient participation. In the study, one of the things we have certainly seen is that there's been a huge response, a positive response in adopting DCT elements and giving patients the opportunity to participate in their home. It has a major benefit in terms of patient recruitment. We've seen a huge improvement in terms of patient retention, staying in the study because they're given the option to receive treatments and assessments in the home. So there's been a huge impact in terms of what was going on pre-COVID, what was forced during COVID, and a reevaluation of how do we maximize the benefit in terms of what we're doing in clinical studies post-COVID. We've spoken a lot about potential with DCT services. So what do you think is feasible in the next five to 10 years? And how do you think digital positions are going to progress with e-boards and C-suites? Are we going to see more? We're going to take them more seriously. Are they going to get their own boards? What do you think? So that's a really interesting question because as I alluded to in my first response, if you go to a lot of these conferences, especially focused on digital adoption and clinical trials, kind of a universal comment is, you know, the industry is five to 10 years behind what is currently available commercially. And that is kind of the real challenge. Certainly the operating environment in clinical trials, which is focused on patient health and yet really being, I'm going to use the word limited, but I don't mean that in necessarily a negative way on Uh, patient data privacy considerations, which is a major challenge in terms of how we implement and operationalize clinical trials. So I would say the hope for the next five years, certainly the FDA has issued a mandate recently that focuses on how do we expand the patient population to more racially and ethnically diverse populations. So I would say that is a major goal and what 
DCT can accomplish in the next, let's say, five years, that would be a great goal that we'd really focus on and successfully launch addressing the diversity challenge in terms of recruitment of patients in clinical trials. The other big opportunity I believe that I'm hoping will be addressed is development of one global standard for data privacy concerns and the mandates for clinical trials. Because unlike social media, which drove a lot of the data privacy mandates within each country, it would be great if the industry would get together with the different governments and the regulatory agents and try to create one data privacy standard for clinical trials. And again, we're not a social media company. We're trying to save lives and the complexity of the regulatory and data privacy mandates in each country, which is dramatically different, can be a major cost barrier and operational barrier for patient recruitment across the world. Several years ago, there was an industry report that talked about, if you take a look at the patient population within the United States, it showed that patient typically lived within a seven to 10 mile radius of a major retail pharmacy store like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid. There was really great excitement and hope that CVS and Walgreens and Rite Aid and even Kmart who does pharmacies or even grocery stores that do pharmacy support now would really help support the clinical trial industry in terms of being in their community. So I'm really hoping within the next five years that we figure out how we do that. Certainly MRM has been bringing clinical studies into the community, whether it's in the patient's home or their work, even in their school. I mean, even if someone's on vacation and they need to continue a treatment, I mean, we've been doing it for 17 years and we're really in 40 countries. So how do we bring that community sense obligation into a patient's community, whether it's rural or urban or suburban, is something that I'm hoping that we figure out. I would also say one of the big, I would say challenges or perceptions is that one of the elements that limits participation in a study is patient connectivity to the internet. But I came out of the mobile cellular industry, and there certainly are tremendous research reports that are available in terms of how many mobile phones are deployed in the world today, the number of them that are connected to the internet. And one of the things that I found is when I recently spoke at DFARM is if you just look at the U.S. market, you know, there's a belief that the racially diverse population does not have access to internet. Well, if you actually take a look at the percentage of people who are connected to the internet on their mobile phones, on average, it's about 75%, irrespective of what racial group you belong to. So people are connected. So how do we take advantage of the fact that people are connected? And also, if you take a look at the global market, in 2026, the estimates is there's going to be 7.5 billion mobile devices in the world connected to the internet. So one of the things that I hope is that we figure out a way to take advantage of that connectivity in a mobile device. And maybe we work together as an industry to create a universal app that's installed in every mobile phone. 
it's integrated into the phone when you get it, and it allows them to access studies. So think about the power of that. Think about it being as easy as somebody shopping on Amazon. If Amazon could do global coverage and provide services as easy as having the app, accessing the app, buying something, why can't we figure out a way to make access to clinical trials through these connected devices a lot easier? The opportunity is there, the access is there, the population is there. I think that's something we need to really figure out. And also, I think kind of lastly, adopting the use of wearables as a valuable endpoint in studies, kind of like my Apple Watch or my Aura Ring. I agree. It may not be a primary or secondary endpoint, but realistically, the data that is created and the insight that is provided in terms of patient activity and health, sleep quality, and other elements of their daily life, I think is an important consideration in terms of taking a look at that data and figuring out what's going on with the patient. So I would say that's kind of my view. And again, you know, the, the industry kind of, you go to these conferences that focuses on innovation and, and digital technology, and it's kind of universally said, well, the industry is about 10 years behind about what can be done and what we do in our everyday life. So how do we bridge that gap? I would say that's my hope for the next five to 10 years in terms of what we do with DCT. I agree. That seems like a very untapped opportunity that we should be tapping into and utilizing. Yeah, and I'll tell you, one of the ways that really hit me hard is I have a very good friend of mine who was a fraternity brother from college, and he discovered that his wife had stage four pancreatic cancer. And he asked me, he goes, Ed, you're in clinical trials. Can you help me find a study for my wife so she lives? And I could not help him because I could not access what studies he could proactively approach understanding the inclusion and exclusion criteria that may have saved her life. She passed away and it really made me very sad. And I took a look at this and go, why is it so complicated? Why isn't there one universal app where all the clinical studies can be integrated and you just go through a checklist, right? And it can help you with assessments. It can help you with finding a study. It can help you with your inclusion exclusion criteria so you understand which studies you may qualify for. So it really had a major impact on, on me and my thinking. And I'd say on the passion I have for being in clinical trials. Absolutely. So maybe going from there, is there more opportunities that the industry is just totally missing out on? I mean, certainly that goes back to education and opportunity to be and participate in the clinical trials, but what other opportunities are we missing? Well, I certainly think it begins with the protocol design. So at DFARM, one of the talks I gave focused on what is the biggest barrier to innovation in clinical trials. And I think that really it points to what a friend of mine in private equity said. He said the biggest barrier to innovation is typically copy, paste, save, publish. So if the way that we are designing clinical studies is focused more on take the last protocol in a specific therapeutic area and kind of copy and paste the protocol mandates into the new study and use that as the basis for the protocol, 
and I'm not saying that that is wrong, but I am saying is, is there a way for us to start from day one with how do we take the most brilliant minds in terms of biology and chemistry and biochemistry who are developing these amazing drugs based on the science associated with the human body. And we work hand in hand with digital technology experts who say, hey, maybe we could integrate this as part of this study. Have we thought about using this data, using a wearable to track patient progress? So how do we really change the paradigm of a document that's focused more on the medical benefits and integrate that with the tangential approach of integrating digital technology and wearables and DCT elements from day one? Think about the impact of that. I know at MRN, sometimes we take a look at a protocol, we'll go back to the study team that we're working with and we go, hey, do you know that we could do this? Oh, no, we didn't know that. Let me go back to the original PI and ask them if they can approve that. So then there's a delay. Well, why not incorporate some of these elements from day one? And I think that's a huge opportunity that we should really take a look at. And I know that there's some of the pharmaceutical companies actually have an innovation group. They report directly to the chairman. Sometimes the innovation group is further down in terms of clinical operations and a little less persuasive in terms of what might be done. But I think that's a great opportunity. And I also alluded to this issue about the access in the community for patients. I know that a lot of it is tied to the research sites and capabilities that are available there. But really, there's a lot of really cool stuff that's being developed that will allow someone like MRN to come into the home and replicate how data is collected. So for example, a couple of months ago, I actually, I thought I fractured my foot. I went to my doctor, they took an x-ray. Three days later, I got a result that no, your foot's fine. So if the result is not immediate, then why not take advantage of being able to collect data in the patient's home, send it to the site for the expert to do the evaluation and the assessment. I mean, we all know when we go to the hospital, you know, we don't get an immediate result. They may collect blood, they may collect other biofluids, and then they do the analysis, and then you get a notice on your app, you know, a new test result is there. So why not replicate that same kind of operating process and procedure in clinical studies by having a nurse empowered with digital technology to go into the house? I think that's a great opportunity that maybe should be a standard option. And of course, the big opportunity that we're all chasing right now, primarily because of the mandate from FDA that says without the diversity factor, studies will not be approved, is really addressing the opportunity for inclusion of different racial and ethnic groups to make sure that drugs that are developed kind of are universal in terms of returning someone into a healthy state. So I would say those are kind of the, the principles opportunities. Edward, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing not only your insights, but that personal story about your fraternity brother's wife. I'd love to be able to talk again in the future and maybe look back and see where we are with DCT services compared to your predictions today. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the talk. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Exec Podcast, where we take you behind the headlines to provide expert tips from industry leaders. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, and on Instagram at farmexecutive. The views on this podcast do not reflect those of MJH Farmexec's parent company or our advertisers. For editorial questions or to get in touch with our editors, please email us at farmexec at mjhlifesciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please go to farmexec.com slash advertise. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time.